Um, just a couple of things uh, before I get started. Uh, huge congratulations to everybody who graduated. Congratulations. Well done. We see some returning faces who have come back to us for this special occasion, so congratulations. And also, happy Father's Day to dads, uh, father figures, uncles, grandpas, all those kind of things. So all, all those people have forgotten that it was Father's Day have suddenly gone like, <gasps> I have to say, I forgot until yesterday. So that's my, uh, but, but yeah, uh, happy Father's Day to the dads. Um, yeah, I'm Morag, if you don't know me, part of the Kingdom Vineyard family, and it is lovely to be with you today and continuing our sermon series in the book of Luke. A quick recap on where we are. Jesus has started his public ministry, first announcing himself by reading those scriptures concerning himself in the synagogue at Nazareth. He has gathered some disciples as well as teaching, as Luke describes it, the Sermon on the Plain. He has also healed many people, driven out evil spirits, and even, as we heard last week, raised the dead. In the midst of all this, some people come to Jesus with a message, or more precisely, a question from John the Baptist. And this is what we read in today's passage, which is Luke Chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. If you want to turn to it in your Bible or Bible devices, it will also appear on the screen. So Luke chapter 7, at verse 18. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you as the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us, to look, sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. If you remember, John was the one who was said to be sent ahead of Jesus. As it says in Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And we heard about him back in chapter three, when some people were beginning to wonder if he was the Messiah. John set them straight as we read in chapter three, verses 16 and 17. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Unfortunately, John has got himself into a spot of bother. By speaking truth to power, he has ended up in prison, just as Jesus' ministry was taking off. Some of his, that is John's disciples, were obviously visiting him in prison and bringing back reports about Jesus. But here, John seems to be confused and sends his disciples back to Jesus with a very similar question to that posed about him back in chapter 3. Are you the one? Are you the Messiah or the Christ, the chosen one sent by God to rescue Israel? I was a bit puzzled by this question. After all, Jesus was baptized by John. And although Luke doesn't expressly state that John himself baptizes Jesus, it says in chapter 3, verse 21, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. But in both Matthew and Mark's Gospels, Jesus comes to John specifically to be baptized by him. And in John's Gospel, John the Baptist gives an eyewitness account of the Spirit descending on Jesus at his baptism, and that this means that Jesus is the Son of God, definitely the Chosen One. What has happened that John is now unsure about Jesus? I described him to my home group this week as being a bit thick. <laughs> but maybe I'm, I'm being a bit unfair. After all, John is in prison, and he will end up being beheaded. He could be forgiven for not thinking straight. I think the nub of the issue is what was John expecting from the Messiah and whether or not Jesus was meeting those expectations. And to give John the benefit of the doubt, there were many prophecies about the Messiah which were interpreted in a certain way by most of the nation of Israel but which it seemed Jesus came nowhere near to fulfilling. Bear with me as I take a slight detour to illustrate my point. These are the priorities taken from the Conservative Party manifesto that our Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says that we are currently focusing on. He says we will half inflation this year, we will grow the economy. We will make sure the national debt is falling. NHS waiting lists will fall. And we will pass new laws to stop small boats. And just on the balance, we have from the First Minister here in Scotland. Now, if you're interested, I can give you this later because I know it's quite, quite small writing. But he has three things there. He's got equality, tackling poverty, and protecting people from harm. We will continue to tackle poverty in all its forms and improve the life chances of people across our country. Opportunity, a fair, green, and growing economy. 
We will use all the powers we have to support economic growth for a purpose, to help business and trade to thrive and maximise the opportunity of the green economy with fairness at its heart. And community, prioritising our public services. We will deliver efficient and effective public services, including our emergency services, that deliver for the people who use and rely on them. The NHS, social care, schools and childcare, our police force and tackling crime and delivering affordable housing and transport will be our focus. That's quite a lot to focus on. <laughs> I'm not going to make any specific political points. <laughs> this is just to show that these are the stated objectives of both our governing parties. I think they are sufficiently open to interpretation that I'm sure both governments will claim success in meeting them. <laughs> NHS waiting times will be down, whether or not you've managed to get your long-awaited operation. People will get better paid, whether or not you've noticed an increase in your wage packet. And I'm just not going anywhere near small boats. You can uh, look to the Archbishop of Canterbury for his opinion on that topic. On the other hand, there will be some people getting operations and some people seeing a difference in their wage packets. The success or failure of meeting these objectives will depend on your perspective your own priorities, and quite possibly your political leanings. Jesus, too, has laid out his manifesto. Back in the synagogue in Nazareth, when he quoted the prophet Isaiah, he said in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So in his response to John, as we read today, we can see that as well, what do you see and hear? How am I doing against what I said I would do? The blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, and the deaf hear. Tick, tick, tick. The dead are raised. Big tick. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Tick. There's a bit of a glaring omission, which might have been uppermost in John's mind. Freedom for the prisoners. Maybe the question from John is, a little bit selfish, for which I could think he can be forgiven. Hey, if you're the Messiah, how about some bit of prisoner freeing over here? Maybe. But also in John's declaration about Jesus, in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Is John expecting more of the judgment of God to come with Jesus' ministry? The expectation of most of Israel was that the Messiah would release them from the oppression of the Romans. 
an immediate and revolutionary overthrowing of the oppressors. Jesus' ministry and his death did not look like the Messiah they were expecting. Again, John can be forgiven for having some of these types of expectations rub off on him. Jesus' manifesto, too, was open to interpretation depending on your, on your perspective and immediate priorities. But I hope that in Jesus' answer, John hears the message. It is happening. The kingdom of God is here. People are healed, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached. It's not all fulfilled yet, but hang in there. As he says in verse 23, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. It is a bit of a cryptic answer, not a straight yes or no. But Jesus is set on a collision course with the authorities, and the time is not yet right for the public declaration of his messiahship, although it's clearly beginning to dawn on his close disciples and some of his other followers. With regards to our government's manifestos, history will judge and document whether or not their objectives were fulfilled. With regards to Jesus' manifestos, we are privileged and with the benefit of hindsight to know that all his objectives were fulfilled. And unlike our fallible politicians, he is totally trustworthy. I like to think that John got his perspective renewed in the light of what he heard about Jesus' ministry, lifting his eyes from his own circumstances and refocusing on God's priorities. So what does that mean for us? What can we learn from this short encounter with Jesus and John the Baptist? I've got two things to highlight. The first is something I've actually spoken about before, expectations. I preached on Palm Sunday in 2020. I don't know if you remember 2020, <laughs> or like me, you've blocked out most of it from your memory. We were in lockdown, and life was not at all what we'd expected and at the time, I said this. The crowd and the disciples had very set expectations of what a Messiah or saving king should look like. Sometimes we have very set expectations of how God should act and what he should be like. How about we allow ourselves, with the benefit of hindsight, to change our, perspective, our expectations of God? By that, I mean... Remember other circumstances which didn't pan out as you'd expected, but God brought different and better options into your life. Bring to mind that if Jesus had acted in the way the crowd expected, they may have been saved from the Romans, but the whole world would not have had a chance to be saved. Palm Sunday is a good place to go when dealing with expectations of God. 
expectations were sky high. The crowds were all shouting for Jesus. The disciples thinking, this is it, we've arrived, time to hit Jerusalem and the authorities with all we've got. But as we know, what it meant for Jesus was crucifixion and crushing disappointment for the disciples. Do you remember the disappointments of lockdown? Weddings were cancelled. Teaching and graduations cancelled. No seeing friends or family. Back in 2020, I advocated lament. I still do. Crying out to God in our disappointment is still the best thing to do. Head to the Psalms. David is really good at capturing this part of human experience, yet somehow involving God and holding on to trust in God. P.S. There is no timetable for grief. I have disappointments in my life. A big one being that I don't have children. I would have loved to have been a mum. Would love to have carried a growing baby in my body, but that is not, and now will not happen for me. And I have grieved for that, cried out to God, and most days it's okay. It really is. And then some days there's just something, usually unexpected. And can I just say, it's not usually when other people have babies. I, I absolutely love that, I celebrate with them. But whatever it is that sets me off, I have a cry. And I still ask God, why? And that's okay. God is aware of our circumstances and our disappointments and our anxieties. And if we bring them to him, will sit with us in them and walk with us through them. And graciously, with infinite patience, as he did with John, we'll lift our eyes again to a renewed perspective on the priorities of God. Expectations are tricky. It's good to be expectant, especially for the things of God and the kingdom of God. But it's also good to remember that we come to those expectations with our own perspective, priorities, and how things should look. Be prepared to have your expectations challenged. Keep your eyes on Jesus and let him remind you of his priorities. The second thing I would like to address is this, asking if Jesus is the one. Firstly, Christians asking, Jesus, are you the one? Is that heretical? Surely Christians don't need to ask if Jesus is the one, the saviour. They believe, and once believing, always believe, right? Not in my experience. Are you sure have a hand? Who here has never had a wobble in their faith? No, no hands kind of what I expected. I've, I've been a, a Christian since I was 13, which is now over 30 years. And I have had minor wobbles and major questions. I think it's okay to come back to Jesus and ask, remind me again, why should I believe in you? Let's face it, if John the Baptist who saw the Holy Spirit descend onto Jesus, 
can have an apparent wobble in his belief in Jesus and need to ask, are you the one? I think it's okay for us too. Again, in my experience, he usually replies in a similar way as he did to John. Do you remember what I've done? Remember what you've seen and heard. The sick are healed, the captives are set free, and the good news is preached to the poor. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember all you've done for me. The answered prayers, the comfort in the dark times, the love and hope I've experienced. I remember that your priorities are not my priorities and your perspective is better. And finally, if you've never met Jesus but are curious about him, one of the best questions you will ever ask is, Jesus, are you the one? I have heard many stories of people who meet Jesus for the first time after asking the question, Jesus, are you real? Some have asked in desperation, Jesus, if you're real, please take away this addiction. And he has. Some have asked in curiosity, Jesus, if you are real, please send me a sign. And he does. A message from a stranger in a coffee shop or an unexpected kindness. I asked that question when I was in the bedroom at my granny's house after a youth event when a speaker who happened to be Donald McEwen, who is the chaplain here at the university. Donald said, you couldn't sit on the fence when it comes to Jesus. You're really either for him or against him. I didn't think I wanted to be against Jesus, but I wanted to know he was real and that I could talk to him and hear him. It wasn't a dramatic bright light or an audible voice, but I felt peace like never before. I felt like I could talk to him like he was in the room. I knew his presence was there. That was the first time I asked, Jesus, are you the one? And it wasn't the last. And every time I ask, he answers. And I know he'll do the same for you. It won't be the same way he answered me or even the way he answered John. But he will speak to you in a way that you'll understand and can hear him. Why don't you stand and I'll pray for us. just want to say that there might be some things in that that you would like to respond to and we would love you to come up to the front uh, just as the band starts to play after I've prayed to come for prayer and people from our home groups will come alongside you and pray with you. If there is anybody here who would like to ask for the first time, Jesus, are you the one? Then please come and get prayer. Uh, we'd love to pray with you. If there are some of you here who just feel that you need to have that confirmed again, that you've believed before but are having some questions, a wobble, 
it is so okay to ask because I know that Jesus will answer. Um, so yeah, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that your priorities are not our priorities, that you have the better perspective. Would you come? Would you come, Holy Spirit? May we know your presence. Jesus, show us again that you are real. Show us your kingdom come. Come and heal. Come and bring freedom. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.